What's going on, Spooky fans? It's your chillin' host, Ruben. And I'm Quinn. Welcome to another episode of Spooky Husband Mystery Hour. If this is your first time tuning in with us, this is a podcast where we go over some of your favorite horror movies, everything from early age, then 80s, all the way up to modern day. And we cover pretty much everything that you may like, may not like, stuff that we like, stuff you may not have even seen in the movie that you didn't think about. Yeah, behind-the-scenes stuff. Easter eggs. Heck yes. So this week was actually my pick on a movie, and I before we get to that, I wanted to give a special shout out to David and Rachel from All Bad Things. Heck yes, thank you so much. You guys uh, gave us a special shout out on your podcast, and listeners, if you guys haven't heard heard of them, check out their podcasts. Quincy, you listen to them pretty often, right? Yes, they are deep friends of the pod. Um, David and Rachel are two amazing hosts. They cover disasters uh, throughout time um, and all over the world. So they have this nice little show called All Bad Things and uh, trigger warning for everything possible because they cover everything. But that is our special shout out. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, guys. We love you guys. So like I said earlier, this was my week to pick the movie. And in honor of Black History Month, I picked... Are you ready for this, Quincy? I picked uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. It was made in 1995. Which threw me off because this movie has this weird kind of out of time element to it. Uh It seemed like it was, it could have been late 80s. It could have been late 90s. It could have been somewhere in that weird in between. Yeah. No, that is very true. Um, But the way the movie was filmed and everything was still like super, super crisp. Yeah, really crisp. Like even like some of the CG. I wouldn't even say was there CGI. It was more prosthetics. It was prosthetics. Huh. It was mostly and practical effects. Yeah, it was super awesome. And so, folks, if you didn't know, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, like I said, was made in 1985 by Wes Craven, and it has some of your actual favorite uh, actors and actresses. Uh, first off, we have Eddie Murphy playing uh, Maximilian, and some one. other roles, and we'll some see. other and some other people. And then you also have Angela Bassett. I love her so much. Me too. She does always like such a super great job on everything. I want her to beat me up. <laughs> what? I don't know. There's something about her that she's just like, I just want her to like sit me down and like tell me how things are. Give you the, the finger waggle? Yeah, the finger waggle. <laughs> well, it, throughout this movie, there is a bunch of other like super name actors and actresses in the movie. But Quincy, have you actually ever seen this movie? I've seen bits and pieces. I've never seen the full movie. Well, awesome. So I've actually only seen this movie one time before tonight, and there was a lot of stuff that I didn't remember in there. So it was actually really nice to kind of rewatch it and get a new idea and a re a re idea, I guess, of how fresh, the movie was. Fresh perspective. Fresh perspective, exactly. This girl that is supposed to be the final vampire, the, the final vampire kind half of thing, human, half vampire. Yes. Look out, Blade. Look out, Renesmee. Exactly. Oh yeah, I didn't even. I thought of Blade too. I didn't think of Renesmee. That's awesome. But the way the movie starts and opens up after he's telling you the story of it all, it starts with this giant boat smashing into this harbor, and it actually almost kills two people when it comes when it comes to like a a stop on it. And that's where we actually get to meet one of our other main characters in the movie. His name is Silas, and he's actually played by John Witherspoon, Mr. Jones from Friday. That's right. Um, He's also the voice actor of. 
the grandpa in the Boondocks. Yes, he was actually in so much stuff. I, yeah, he's I in looked a it up. bunch of things. He looked it up. Yeah. Ah, cheater. You're not supposed to look it up. But that's okay. So we see him and his nephew? Yes, his friend? nephew, Julius. Julius, yeah. Who was played by Kadeem Hardison, who you might know as Dwayne Wayne from a different world. Really? Yes. The thing see, is... I didn't know that. I was trying to figure out, like, I was trying to look him up really quick, too, since I have that power this week. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the thing is, he pulled a Jaleel White from um, Family... Not Family Matters. Yeah, Family Matters. Urkel. He took off his weird glasses and oh, it and was he like a completely oh, different person. Completely different person. Yeah. He did the Clark Kent thing too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, awesome. Which I really never thought that that was like a really big disguise, but then you actually see it happen and you're like, okay, no, it's a thing. I can understand why people never figured him out. It's totally the trope from like a 90s teen movie. Exactly. Oh, she took off her glasses and she's hot now. <laughs> exactly. So Rex into the harbor, um, Silas and Julius are looking at it, and Julius is like, nah, man, this is too creepy. I'm out. See you later, Uncle Cyrus, uh, Uncle Silas. And he bounces. He leaves him there. And Silas goes onto the boat to find the whole crew dead. Can I just say, I love everything about John Witherspoon, his delivery for everything. And my favorite line that he says in this movie is when he gets on the boat and he's trying to figure out, hey, who's on board? He walks on board and he goes, ahoy, motherfucker. And it makes me laugh so hard. I was trying not to crack up while we were watching this, but I loved it. No, it's same. It was super awesome. I love it. Like throughout the movie, you do get a lot of those one-liners things. That's really great from all the actors and actresses. And it just flows with it. It doesn't feel like it's forced. It doesn't feel like it's anything. It's super awesome. The screen actually pans off to where Julius is doing, and he actually runs into two hitmen that he owes money to, that they're there to shake him down. One of the hitmen is, he actually doesn't say his name throughout any of the movies, and when I looked at the credits, his name actually is just the hitman. But he was played by Mitch, uh, I apologize if I can't say the last name correctly, Pelegi? Pelegi? Do you know who that is? I do not. Think, okay, think of Supernatural, the grandpa. Of Sam and Dean? Yeah, no. of Mary, Mary's dad. Yeah, that was him. He's in a lot of other stuff, but it was really hard to recognize him, especially since he was super young in this movie, and he had hair. I feel like he's been in SVU? I, yeah, I think so. Probably. I feel like he's in a crime drama that we've watched He's been together. in a lot of TV dramas and everything, too. Like, I know he has, but... Uh. But yeah, so he plays the hitman. And while they're there shaking him down, uh, Julius, and trying to get his money and everything... Up walks Eddie Murphy, and he announces himself as Maximilian, which is super awesome. We're just going to call him Max to go f- throughout the movie. Yes. And how does Max arrive, Ruben? Oh, it is so great. So uh, the hitman actually shoots Max down and everything, and he comes up out of this giant mystical fog that just ends up rolling in on a, uh, in a Brooklyn neighborhood. Now, folks, which... I, want, I, want to take, I want you to take notes here. That is vampire trope number one. Imagine I have a little scoreboard. I'm a I'm a the board girl from a boxing movie. Here I got you. Ding ding. We have one vampire trope: mystery fog with a vampire in it. Mystery fog with vampire. It's always a, it's a clear giveaway that something evil's afoot. Uh, so the hitman actually shoots Eddie Murphy down or Max down, and it's really funny because uh, he actually just pops back up and he's like, "Oh, I've never I've been stabbed, I've been burned, I've been mutilated, I've been all this stuff, but I've never been shot." It itches a little. It, it itches. It kind of tickles, you know? And 
<laughs> one of the parts here that I actually chuckled onto was when he like just superly speeds in front of uh, in front of the hitman. Mm-hmm. He rips out his heart, and he's like, "Next time, put a little heart, more heart into it." And you're like, "Oh my god, that's genius! It's, it's a great pun." And that's actually our first first death of the movie, first our first death. actual death that we've seen in the movie. You know, what we should start doing for all of our movies what body counts. Body count. I was thinking about that too. Like the episode of Family Guy came in my head whenever uh, Roger was like the Grim Reaper. He was popping up. But anyway, yes. Uh, anyway, so he kills him. The other hitman that was there. Let Julius go, and he was like, oh, my God, this is crazy, and starts running away. Well, Eddie Murphy decides to go after him, too, and kills him also. Um, at this point, Julius starts running away because he's like, oh, no, man, I'm out of this. I'm not dealing I'm, I'm with not a vampire. Dealing with this, which, that's exactly something I would do, too. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and bounce. I would treat the vampire much like you're supposed to treat a uh, bear. And that what, is... Try to play dead? You play dead and immediately poop yourself. Totally. He would hear your heartbeat. Come on. He would smell the blood still pumping in your veins. Yeah. He'd also smell the poop in my pants. Then and he, he wouldn't would, want to eat me. Whatever. He would not... He probably would not care. And we're not going to test this theory at all. So... <laughs> so when this happens, Max actually goes after Julius. And it's kind of like playing around with him. And this one is a really interesting part because you don't see it in a lot of vampire movies, I feel like. A way that he makes him his thrall or his his ghoul, because it's actually a really good adaptation of a lot of other vampire movies of like Dracula and everything of mm-hmm. when he first gets the that one person to eat bugs and you know be his his daywalker kind of thing. Yes, his like guardian, his yeah. Igor. Yeah, exactly. Perfect, perfect, uh, perfect thing. So he becomes his thrall, becomes his ghoul, and he you know starts following him around. Now we get cut to a scene where we see Angela Bassett. Which she plays a detective, Detective Rita. I forgot her last name. Vetter. Vetter, okay. Detective Rita Vetter. And And she's in a car with her partner, Julius. I just also want to note that I was very excited. And I put, oh, is she a cop? Because I love that idea. Yeah, she plays a really great cop in this movie. She plays Athena in 911. That's too, oh yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. See, she already had practice with everything. So we go to Angela Bassett, and she's reading the paper uh, in her squad car with her partner, Julius, and she reads over a horoscope that says, you know, you were going to meet a shadowy figure, don't stray from the path of righteousness kind of thing. You're going to dance with death. Yeah, you're going to have a dance with death kind of stuff. Really big foreshadowing in this movie. Like, I was like, okay. Like a neon sign. Yeah, I was like, "Eh, eh, look at this, you know, Mm -hmm. super flashy lights. But the other thing with this movie is that it really didn't have any slowdown time, I felt like. Like, it just went straight into the plot and just kept going. Like, there was no, like, build-up to the story or anything. It was kind kind of, of, but... It it built up, but it was nice, very well-paced. Yes. Very, very. They treated it as a... As a... As a a jog Mm -hmm. and not a marathon. It was very well-structured. Yes. Yeah, they, they didn't try to go too fast with it or anything. So, they get a call... That there's been a boat. They've been called to the docks pretty much to, to go look over the boat. A that, boat full of dead folks. That boat full of dead folks. And when they get there, Max and Julius are already there because they were going to go retrieve his coffin from the boat. But they're already, the cops are everybody already swarmed and everything like that. This is actually where we see a, a really big thing. And actually, I had to cover my eyes at this point, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm a very big animal lover. <laughs> Ruben, um, grimaces when i play video games and i have to kill wolves in video games 
Um, they cry. I hate it. It here, bothers me so much. Here at Spooky Husband Mystery Hour, uh, we, as the kids say, stay on the website, uh, doesthedogdie.com. You can go on there and make sure the dog doesn't die in the movie you watched. We exactly. should have done that. We should have done that. But he wasn't a main character or anything like that. Well, Max kills the dog. He straight up that explodes happens. him. But again, he didn't cry, so I was like, uh, it's not as bad, I guess, but still super bad because animal death. No, no thank you. While this is happening, Angela Bassett, or Rita, is going through the boat, and she actually falls through a... Like a hatch a, cover. A hatch cover, yeah. And falls straight down into uh, in, more into the boat and actually uncovers the coffin. And while she sees it, the whole room's covered with candles. Everything's all sparkly. And she has, which, okay, I thought this was a vision, maybe, because of how fast it changed. Because first she sees the coffin and everything, and she sees Max there. And Max is like, it's you. And Angel and Rita tries to like grab her gun and shoot him, and he's gone. And at this point, the room now goes back to like this dilapidated, gross, gross, super decayed room. You missed the part where she opened the coffin. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, during the vision part that I say, she opened the coffin. Thank you for reminding me. And what happens? It's herself dead in the coffin. Ding! Vampire trope number two, ladies and gents. That's right. So, and again, when that happens, Rita, like, freaks out a little bit, and the dead Rita comes back to life and bites her in the hand. Yes. Which, we... I didn't really understand that reference. I don't know if it was a reference. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. I don't know. I feel like this is solidifying her and Max's connection. Okay. To him being able to find her more easy, because he knows that she's a vampire, or she's part vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. So from there, that's when, again, the room goes back to being all creepy and everything. And she goes and gets Justice to come into the room because she's like, there's a coffin in here and they can't find anything. But they do find a ear on the floor. Which sets up the best series of jokes in the movie. I love it. It's a literally, literally an ongoing joke throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. The ear actually ends up being from Julius. As a ghoul, he's already his body's already decaying. It's and, been and what, falling apart. Like forty five minutes. Yeah, well, I would say movie in movie time. I would say probably like four hours. You know. Okay. From from watching time, yeah, forty five minutes. But like in movie world time, four hours, four or five hours. Okay. You know, I would I would go with that. And. The next scene that it jumps to is actually Julius taking the coffin up to his apartment complex, and we run into Silas again. He's actually the landlord of this building, and Silas is like, what you doing, boy? What's going on? What's happening? And Julius tells him, oh, this is for my new boss. Uh, he told me to bring it in. He's going to be moving in. What do you mean you got a job? You got and no job? He tells him all of this. He just gives him a really hard time, and he tells him rent's tripled now. Yeah, You're tripled. You got the money. You Ren got the is money now. now. Yeah, Ren is going to be tripled. And Max throws him just, a bag of gold coins, and he's like, "Okay, bye." He yeah. just walks off. He's he just like, walks off. And he's like, "No more questions." He's like, "All right, cool, no problem. Welcome to the building, sir. You have a great time. You know, if you need anything, let me know." And folks, also on this part, the the music so far from the beginning part to right here, it's just it's awesome. I love the music. The music is it was good. It kept you in, engaged. Yes, the music they used really good music. I think at one point in the movie I wrote down the exact song they were playing because it made me so happy. Yeah. Um and 
Silas says another line that I love at this part when he walks away because he kind of figures out that Max is maybe not something to be trifled with. He tells him, God loves you, God loves me, bye, <laughs> and just walks <laughs> it off. Just, it just is out. That, that was fantastic. So from there to the next thing that we kind of see of what's going on is Rita's heading home, and now she has like another vision, it looks like, and she's being chased uh, in during the streets. And when she gets to her apartment complex, the door is what's sounding like a, a dog or a wolf is trying to bust into her apartment, and she opens up the elevator and sees herself dead again, but this time kind of sprawled across a cross. Craw- tied up on a cross yes. with like a sheet on her. Exactly. And, of course, she ends up waking up, and this is all a dream. Okay, so I'm actually gonna gonna loop back to this part here, so folks don't forget to remember this uh, this little spot right now. Okay, because we're I gonna think what you're thinking. we're we're gonna cover back it again on something super important. So when this happens, uh, she wakes up and she gets a call from the precinct, and it's like, hey, you need to go ahead and come on in early. Uh, we have a lead in regards to the boat and this journal that they found on the boat. So Rita and Justice end up going to see this doctor. His name is Dr. Zako. Dr. Zako. And he's like a specialist in in foreign languages from from the university. But the funny thing is, is he's not really working at the university. He works at a nightclub called Zako's. Yes. And he's kind of like a, a shaman. I would yes, go um, a, a witch doctor almost. Yeah, um, okay. And we find out at this point that he has connections to Rita, but he doesn't know who Rita is. But he knows her mother. Yeah, which we don't find out till later on, actually, in the movie. That okay? That he. Yeah, yeah. That that that's closer to the end, I believe, because that's like one of the little things that they. Uh, they connect. They connect it with. Is that he um, worked with but her mom? Yeah, he looks at her and he's like, mm, "I feel like I know you, child. I feel like I know you, but I don't know you." Doctor Zeko starts telling Rita about this story of how there was vampires back in the day and how a vampire is now loose in Brooklyn. And pretty much starts telling her straight from the get-go that all this stuff is going to start happening and she needs to be prepared. And, of course, folks, whenever people tell you, hey, there's a vampire going on, what's your first reaction? Okay. Yeah, okay, sure, whatever. This guy's crazy. Everything. But as Dr. Zico keeps telling Rita everything that's what's going on, Max actually ends up showing up to the uh, to the club, too. Because, again, like you said, Quincy, before, or Quinn, the connection they have already kind of tells them where they're at vampire magnetism where they're they're close together yes he can sense her exactly so from there we actually see them talking at the bar because he's like oh it's so nice to meet you kind of thing but not in a transylvanian accent guys it was yes more, he has this say, bahamian bahamian a caribbean accent Bo- bohemian Bah- Bahamian. Bahamian, okay. Bahamas. Bahamas, yes. Okay, yeah, no, perfect, yeah. Because they're from the He has, like, that, the that accent area. style, and he's talking to her. And we see this snake break out of its cage, or out of its... out of its. Uh, Hell no. I think it was a ritual <laughs> snake. Yes. No, yeah, it was like an altered snake, and they were using it to... To, to have do something. To do it was stuff. something to do with the altars. Well, the snake almost bites Rita, and Max saves her. You know, grabs the snake, everything like that, and was like, oh, you can just reward me with a dance. Let's go with the dance. And the other part that reason why he wants to have a dance with her so much is because I didn't cover this part until right now was because he's earlier in the movie. He tells Julius that he's looking for this one lady 
he's going to find her because of the fact that she has she's a half vampire half human like kind of what we talked about earlier and she is her vampire side is dormant yes and, and he has to entice it out of her right willingly so she has to be the one to choose that yes she wants to take a, a step on that on that side and that dark side and go down that path and everything so he's like i'm just gonna go ahead and we're gonna kind of seduce her and make her say yes with which my is, sexy vampire wives <laughs> yes which is also really funny because when he's talking about this julius's hand falls off yes too, which is so funny and he calls it a case of he's got the dropsies that yes oh it's so awesome and of course, Silas was there too whenever his hand fell off and was like, what's wrong with you? You got the dropsies. You got the dropsies. It's great. So after he saves him from the snake, Julius comes in because he's like, oh, this is taking too long and tries to help Max out by trying to get Rita to go with him and go do stuff and pretty much just like ended it. Like super cock blocked him pretty much. Yes. In the worst Hardcore. way possible. Yeah. And Rita was like, haha, okay, cool. You know what? Whatever. Screw you. I'm out. Which is this something I noted. Rita, you're a cop. How are you? I know he's supernatural, but you should know better. Why are you falling for this? Because of because of her vampire side. They I know have but that still, connection. She's a. It's cop. like a moth to a flame. They they can't resist it. <sighs> I also thought it was weird that Justice was able to break the spell at well, the end of this scene. I I thought that too, but then it made sense to me later on in the movie. Okay. Did so it not to you? It did not. I ha, never got that connection. I got again. that. Okay, cool. So well, I will tell you why momentarily. So after that happens, Rita again tells him to screw off, everything like that. And she leaves with her partner. And while she's talking to uh, Justice and they're going home, she tells Justice that, hey, I have like second sight kind of thing. I, uh, I feel stuff. And I just know when stuff is kind of going wrong. I know when things are like, there's a weird connection. And he's like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. And when that happens, she invites him up to her apartment and is like, no, I'm being serious. Like, this is what's going on. And in walks Nikki, <laughs> which, wow, folks, wow. She lays it on <laughs> thick Super for thick. justice to the point that... It makes him uncomfortable. It makes him uncomfortable. It also makes um, makes Rita, Rita upset. And it tells him to leave upset. because she's she's got the hots for yeah. him. Yeah, and Nikki is Rita's her roommate. She's again super super. She's super attractive, actually. Nikki, she's very attractive. Every, everybody in this movie actually was pretty pretty attractive. And she's hitting on Justice, and Justice is like, nah, I'm fine, I'm good, whatever. And Rita's like, yeah, whatever, do what you want kind of thing, because she's got a little jealous. But this is also where we see Justice uh, is looking at this painting of a woman that's kind of sprawled out on a cross. And he's like, what's this? And Nikki tells him that, oh, that's Rita's painting. She paints her nightmares. She paints what she sees. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, remember, that, remember, folks, when I told you to remember this part? Where she was having that other vision of herself? Yes. It was the painting at the beginning part. Correct. You. Oh, okay. So, so, also, you, so you are on the same wave. Did you notice 
in the painting, she's covered in a red sheet. Yes. In her vision, she was in a white sheet. But when she woke no, the, up, the she painting, was covered in a red sheet. No, the painting itself was in a white sheet, too. It was? Yes, because there's a second connection that happens with that same painting. Okay. A little bit later on. But yeah, but she's the first one that's on the cross. That's kind of like sprawled out on the cross, dead and everything else in the painting. And so that's when I was like, ooh, okay, there's connections, you know, already happening. So with the Rita goes to Rita goes to sleep and Justice leaves because he was like, nah, I'm not going to be like that. And Nikki still is chasing him. And where now we see Max come into the picture and it was like, hey, Nikki, he's dumb for uh, for leaving you. And she's like, yeah, let me is. get some of that. Let me get some of that mulleted mod. vampire action. Exactly. Oh, yeah, folks. He has a sweet mullet. Super sweet mullet. Yeah. And so they go up and they have sex. Well, while they're having sex. Man, Nikki is loud. Very loud. Rita hears it, mm -hmm. and she says, oh, okay, this is how it's going to be. Screw you, Nikki, and screw Justice. Yeah, because she still thinks that Justice stayed over and ended up getting with Nikki, which she didn't. Um, and this was actually a really cool scene that it showed because whenever Max kills Nikki, you don't see any of the death. You hear it. But the only thing you see is just a blood coming out of the keyhole. Which was weird. I thought that was very strange that that's the one place it would come out of. Okay, see, my brain went to how violent does the death have to be for the blood to come out of the keyhole? True. Because, again, he could have probably just, like, suffocated her or slit her neck and the blood just would have been there on, you know, the against bed. the wall and then on the bed. No, the blood went through the keyhole. So what happened in this whole thing where he killed her, where blood had to be spread all over the place. Supernatural vampire. Exactly. You know? See, that's the way I thought of it, too. It was like, that's why I was like, oh, it made me it made me interested to find out, like, how she died. I thought it was going to be a little drip of blood, so it would be a hit to bring Rita to him. Right. And from there, we find out that actually Max has devised a plan to take everything away from Rita. So she kind of has so to turn to him. So she kind of has to turn to him or he can be like her savior and give her everything that she needs to to help her decide on, hey, you should be this way because it's easier kind of thing. He completely cleans out Rita's room or Nikki's, Nikki's room, room and yeah. leaves a note that she's met a man and she has left. Because of all the hot sex they're about to have. And forever and They ever need and ever. to have their own space. Yeah. Which I was, I was like, okay, well, how rub about it in because he's trying to drive that wedge between her and Justice as well. Exactly. So the next part, we end up seeing uh, Rita go to church. This scene <laughs> was incredible. I lived for it, and I put down. I was like, why do they call Jim Carrey the Man of a Thousand Faces? You've heard that, or Mr. Rubberface, or Jim whatever. Carrey. Yes, they always talk about how he's oh, okay, like the okay. man of a thousand faces. Yeah. Eddie Murphy can flawlessly switch between so many characters, and this scene is by far where he shines. And I also noted that Adam Sandler stole this bit. Really? Yeah. Okay. You didn't re you didn't realize that? No. So in this scene, I'm taking over yeah, right that's now. Fine. No, totally. That's Eddie Murphy, uh, Max, Max, the character Max, takes over the body of a preacher. He kills him and takes over his body, uses his vampire wiles to, dis to disguise himself as this preacher. And he is, he tries to go into the church and he starts screaming. And they're like, everybody in the church is like, oh, oh, he's cursing. 
Father is cursing in the church. I flat out laughed at this point because I was like, oh my god, this is hilarious. I've laughed so hard. So he tells the congregation, meet me outside. And he starts this whole speech. And he says, if every day is a sunny day, then what is a sunny day? He says, there's good and we have to have evil. And I want you to say it. Evil is good. And then he kind of goes in on the people in the crowd. He's like, oh, Deacon John, you were down there on a, with a hooker down on Christopher Street. Blah, 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 blah. And that's when it clicked. This exact scene plays out in Little Nicky. I didn't know that. When one of his brothers possesses the preacher, uh-huh. and it's televised of him reading everybody in the church about all their dirty deeds. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. And Ooh. circle, Kevin degree, Kevin degrees. Seven degrees? <laughs> Six degrees of Kevin oh, okay. Bacon. Guess who else was in Little Nicky? John Witherspoon, he played the guy that stole Lil Nicky's flask. Oh, The okay. street vendor. Oh. He tells him the crazy eye. I got the crazy eye on you. You know, I haven't seen Lil Nicky in like forever. It was one of my favorites as a kid. I only saw it one time. It explains everything okay. about me as a person. <laughs> awesome. So at this point, um, Rita's in the crowd and she is living for what the preacher is telling her. Everybody is loving it. And justice shows up. And immediately Max is like, I got him exactly where I want him. And he starts saying, oh, I saw what you were doing with Nikki last night. I saw what you were doing and she can see it too. And she pretty much tells Justice, leave me alone. Yeah, and walks away from him. I'm done with you. Exactly. So next we get to our next spot where she tells – oh. This is something that actually is revealed really well because she's like, I don't care what you did to Nikki. And, you know, Nikki always takes my stuff anyways. And he's like, your stuff? What do you mean, your stuff? Yes. Did you see that? Okay. That was the connection that I was talking about before uh, from the club. The reason why Justice was able to kind of break that connection between her and Max was because she had feelings for him. She had true feelings. It was a love bond. It was a love bond, you know? So he was actually able to kind of break through to her and, like, snap her out of it. Yeah. So that was that was the connection I was talking about beforehand. That makes sense. Yeah. And, again, it kind of references it back to this point where she's like, no, she always takes my stuff. I hate it when she takes my stuff, you know? And you're kind of like my property. Yeah. You're my well, property and well, Nikki trying to steal your property. Family. But, you know, you're, you're mine. Like, you're supposed to be with me kind of thing. So after the preacher, after the church scene, and after Rita walks away from from Justice, he's like, hang on, wait, don't leave. We have a lead. Uh, Julius, or the person that, the people that were killed in the the alleyway by the harbor actually work for this big time mob boss. And he leaves. And when they get, uh, when Rita and Justice get in there to start talking and asking questions to the mob boss, Max shows up and kills the Guido and becomes him again. Which is really cool because he actually tells Julius also that he's like becoming his favorite ghoul. And it, this part also was, was just like a, a really funny back and forth thing between him and A Julius. nice little banter. Yeah, a nice little banter before the movie kept going. Because we discovered this part also that Julius, ha- or, yes, Julius mm-hmm. has replaced his hand that it fell off with a hand. A mannequin's hand. At Bloomingdale's. Yeah, he broke in and, and stole one of the, the hands and he's like, yeah. I'm look at my nice white hand. Look at my, yeah, exactly. And he's like, man, look at you being all innovative and stuff. I love this. So, let's go check him out. So Kitty. We, yeah. His name was Kitty. I can't remember his last name. Yeah. So, they end up going to an Italian restaurant there, which this part I could not, I was, 
I kind of was chuckling throughout this part too. But they get to an Italian restaurant, and before it, you see this this white guy or this Italian guy, and he's everybody just calls him Guido. Max goes into the restaurant as as Guido, and he kind of holds up the place, and he's like, "No, yeah, you know, give me the cash, give me all the money," and he's like, "Everybody, put your guns down." And so everybody puts their guns <laughs> the down. The scene where there's like a pile of guns. I think there's a sword or three. Yeah, there was a, a shimtar kind of thing. Some tonfas and yeah. a pair of brass knuckles. And his comment was, just, he's like, oh man, y'all really do love each other that much. You know, like, I was like, that's, that's hilarious. So he pulls Angela, he pulls Rita to the side and he's like, no, she's coming with me. I'm going to go in and try to like hold her hostage kind of thing. And then he starts going in this whole long spiel of, oh, are you hungry? What do you like to eat? What's your favorite Italian food? What's your, uh, what do you like to drink? What's your favorite red wine? And did you notice Rita was trying so hard not to laugh? Like Angela Bassett herself was trying so hard not to laugh. Like you could see smiles on her face if you look, like if you focus on her mm-hmm. and not anything else that's around. Because he's making a lot of noise and a lot of stuff. So you're like, okay, let me focus on on him to find out what's going on. But if you look at Angela Bassett, she's legitimately like turning her head away so she can try not to laugh, try not to break character. Yes, it's just it's hilarious. So he's asking for food. He's asking for all this stuff. He goes into this long, <laughs> angry diatribe about how much he hates garlic. Yes. He rips some off the wall. A, a, a waiter comes out with a plate of garlic, garlic nuts, and, and he knocks them down the stairs. And then the cat comes out of nowhere and is hissing. And Max or Gu- Max Guido hates the cat because apparently is that a is that a vampire thing? They don't like cats. They don't like animals. Like animals can kind of tell that they're that. They're supernatural or there's something wrong with them, like evil. Yes. Itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Like any animal usually kind of like grr and growling at things that they don't feel is safe. So yeah, he ends up shooting the cat too. Mm-hmm. Like he just shoots the cat right there and he's like, the cat attacked me. The cat attacked me. It's not my fault. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And when he does this, Rita takes, takes advantage. Super right hook. Super right hook. Beats the crap out of him. I loved it. Same with me. And so now they end up taking him to the police station where he's just kind of antagonizing both Justice and Rita back and forth. And they're trying to have like this conversation. And Justice is mad at Rita because he's like, you shouldn't have done that. You should have waited for me. I would have been your backup kind of thing. Like we would have figured out a way to take him out. You could have hurt yourself. And she's like, I'm a big girl. I can take care of myself. You always what think you, I can't do what yeah, I can do. Yeah, you can't do and everything like that. And this is also where we get to find out where Justice says he has feelings for Rita too. He really, I put, he, he does really, love you, he Rita. He does care. Aww. And when this happens to uh, Max Guido is is still just kind of antagonizing him. And they just keep telling him to shut up and shut up and shut up. And he antagonizes enough that Rita slaps Justice. Slaps Justice because they bring up the whole Nikki thing again. And he's like, I didn't sleep with Nikki. I didn't, you know, I haven't seen her and da da da. I didn't sleep with Nikki. And she's like, you're a liar or whatever. I don't care. And slaps him. And that's whenever she gets pulled into the captain's office and Max Guido is—they're uh, gonna persuade f- this other person that's came in. From this crazy re- this, religious lady. Yeah, this crazy religious lady to try to kill a cop. And when that happens, uh, the the station goes like in a fury, and he escapes and changes backs to regular Max. And he's standing there when the cops turn around, and one of the cops looks at him, and he says, "He, he went, went that, that way. way." Yeah. 
And now we realize that Max has all of this information that he needs mm-hmm. to... To help seduce or help get in good with Rita. Yes. And at this point, I I was like, is it bad that I kind of want to see her as a sexy vampire queen? No. I mean, come on. Angela Bassett as a sexy vampire queen? Like, that's... I'm getting, like, super Queen of the Damned vibes from that, too. Yes. You know? Hardcore. Like, I, that would be that would have been awesome. Absolutely loved it. So after all this happens, we find out that Rita's actually been suspended for two days for striking another officer uh, at the station in front of other people. And she's all pissed off. And when she's walking away home, a car almost hits her. Did you hear the voice in the car? No. It was Julius. No. Yeah, he was like, get out of the road. Get out of the road, quick, crazy lady. Really? It was Julius. And because right whenever he's about to hit her, Max jumps in the way and saves Rita from the from the car. And again, this kind of gets him back in good graces with Rita of like, oh, okay, well, maybe he's not that bad. And he saved my life twice. And, you know, and he's like, just have dinner with me. Just have dinner with me. You know, my favorite food is Italian food. You know, I love this play. And she's like, oh, that's my favorite play, too. And he's like, oh, what a, what a coincidence. Yeah. And he's like, what a coincidence, which because that was what they ordered whenever he tried to kidnap her in the mm-hmm. Italian restaurant. And he says to her, I would love to have you for, for dinner. dinner. Yeah. Innuendos. He's going to eat her. He's going to bite her and everything like that, too. So finally, she kind of gives in and she's like, you know what? All right. You can take me to dinner. Um, that's fine. When do you want to meet? And he's like, I'll pick you up in 30 minutes uh, with my ride. And my, uh, my car will be here. My car will be here. Yes. And so she's like, oh, he's fancy. He's super fancy. She says, oh, you have a car? Then make it an hour. Exactly. I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't hear that part. I forgot about that part. She comes back downstairs in an hour to this car. She didn't look like a snack, Reuben. She looked oh, like no, a whole she, oh, damn no, she buffet. Was, she was good. I'm not she even going to lie. She looked incredible. Like, I this was like, black wow. and red ensemble. Yeah, and her hair all dude up and the everything swoop. like that. The swoop. Oh, she looked amazing. Um... So from there, she goes and has dinner with, with Max. And, well, Max, again, starts putting the charms on. And he actually ends up uh, asking her while they're dancing and while they're going through all this stuff. Um, don't you want to be free? Wouldn't you want to travel? Wouldn't you want to do all these things that you never thought you could? And, of course, in the heat of the moment, she says yes. So he ends up biting her and starts to turn her into the vampire. So now she's, she's been her vampire side has awoken. It's being amplified. It's being amplified, yes. And while this is happening, Justice gets a call saying that there's a death on top of a building. And so he gets he gets there in the morning and he's looking at the body or he gets there to the body. And lo and behold, we find Nikki. And Nikki is actually sprawled out the same way as Rita's painting. And again, as the same vision. So the vision actually wasn't of Rita. It was of, it was of Nikki. Nikki. That was happening. So she's so Justice finds her dead. And he's like, oh my gosh, Nikki. And then he starts getting flashes of, oh gosh, Rita painted it. And now he fully believes Rita of like all the supernatural stuff that she's been saying. He believes Dr. Uh, Dr. Zeko of all the stuff he was saying. He's like, okay, no, there's something like really wrong. And I should have believed Rita earlier whenever she was saying that creepy stuff is at foot. Right. Which... Oh no! I was gonna say you should always believe it, but I know there's sometimes that people will probably be like, 
Now, how, you're going to really believe it. But I mean, after the second time, I would be like, okay, yeah. Always be moderately suspicious. Yes. Okay. You know, if somebody said like, hey, we're this house or I'm being like attacked by this ghost or something like that, I'd be like, sure you are. Okay, wait, hang on. Where's all the iron? I need salt. Where, who's possessing you? Did you do any research? Do I need to burn the bones? Yes. Do I need to salt them? <laughs> Let this be advice from your gay uncles hosting this podcast. <laughs> Always be cautiously suspicious of everything exactly so now justice is trying to get a hold of rita and it's the end of the night and she can't he can't get a hold of her like by phone or anything so he shows up at her apartment and wakes her up that she's she's passed out on, on her bed in a completely different outfit yeah in a fully different outfit she looks like she was whenever she was working at the precinct yes yeah which was crazy and magic. yeah pretty much some illusion magic there and while they're getting it on, or while they're talking about everything like that, he tells her that Nikki died and Nikki's dead. And she's like heartbroken and she's like, oh no, it was just like my painting and all this stuff like that. And well, when that happens, uh, they start getting it on. Yes. Like hardcore on. And I was like, okay, wow. Um, and she almost bites Justice to get her first kill, but she sees herself in the mirror. And this is where she stops because she sees herself turning. Right there. And her humanity side was like, nah, we're not doing this. Ding! Her reflection disappears. Vampire trope number three number in the movie. Three. So when this happens, she darts out, out, of the, out of the apartment like super fast. And she runs back to where Max was and was like, what did you do to me? And he's like, what you wanted. You told me you wanted this. I gave you the gift of everlasting life. I gave you everything. And... You know, this is what you are. This is where you come from. And when they get on the, the roof of the building, he tells her that, uh, Max says, Rita, I was actually sent by your father. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, your father was a vampire that loved a mortal. And humans killed him. He sacrificed his life so you and your mom could be free. That's why your mom went insane because people killed him and nobody would believe her. And so that's when she took her life. And she and Rita's like, no, no, you're lying. But a part of her is still kind of like, no, nah, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Kind of thing. And also I had a, I had a mark on this part. Whenever Max flew from or like floated from one building to the other building, that was cool. But that he, was he did that cool. weird cape flappy thing. And yeah. I was like, it would have been so much cooler if you just let the cape flow. <laughs> but he does this weird, like, flappy business. I think it was him, like, trying, like, to clap, but not clap. Oh, uh, like, like, present himself. Yeah, kind of thing. But no, but that was still cool. Like, it didn't even look fake on it, really. Also, did you notice in this scene, her outfit, the same outfit that she woke up in, does it look a little familiar to you? No. She's dressed almost exactly like the detective from the TV show Gargoyles. I did not... Okay, I didn't make that reference. It's been so long since I've seen that show. She looked almost exactly like her. The red jacket and the blue jeans. Well, okay then. Um, so while... <laughs> while Angela... Or while Rita is talking to Max about this, Justice goes and sees Dr. Zeko, And Dr. Zeko was like, Oh, I knew you or the vampire was going to come. I'm kind of glad it was you. you that came here. And Justice tells Dr. Zeko, Hey, these are all the paintings. Rita and you were, were right. There's this guy. There's this vampire. Um, I believe you guys. And he's like, yeah, I'm a vampire hunter. 
and he pulls out his staff and his staff actually like turns into a sword and you're like okay that's cool and what like all whatness and this is where he reveals that the scar that he has on his face came from him fighting fighting a vampire um which was rita's dad and he was rescuing rita's mom, mom. yep because he loved rita's mom and uh rita's mom turned him down and all that stuff and so he actually was one of the ones that killed rita's dad yes so what max said was the truth you know so that was interesting on that part too i was like wow okay and he says you know he tells justice you need to be ready we're gonna go and and fight this last vampire he's the last one of everything and if we defeat him we can save rita you know we can save her from from turning if she hasn't killed anybody yet um from there rita and max go to a park to try to kill a person which and this lady says the worst thing ever she says something to the effect of she sympathizes with the plight of colored people yeah it was, and i was like just eat her yeah just eat her i was the same way but okay this part was kind of funny to me and it, it's just the way my brain thought of it was when max was like eat her you know kill her like he already kind of like half killed her or bit her and he was trying to get rita to to finish it finish the the white lady off yes rita says no like my humanity is still like super strong and i don't want to and i'm not going to when she turned around and ran away my brain went to sydney from scary movie where she had her arms all flailing <laughs> do it from me do it it was so bad but yeah so angela uh rita runs away and she actually runs back to the church so this was the other thing that i saw too at the church was it's a clear uh it's a clear night nothing's happening but as soon as she gets to the church what happens it starts storming. Storming, thunder, lightning, everything. And did you notice the lightning and the thunder actually didn't really happen until she was asking questions? Like somebody was Like somebody responding. was trying to ask her, her. Yeah. And that happened again, too, at the first church scene where we see uh, Max as the preacher. And he's going through stuff. And then it starts to rain when everybody starts chanting, like, evil is good, evil is good. And uh, Man Above was like, no, no we're going to go we're ahead and stop that. that. Yeah. So with that happens, Max takes her back to the to his apartment and is like, you need to sleep. And tells Julius, hey, get everything together. We're going to leave. Like, we're leaving. We'll have her change. So Julius, and at this point, Julius is legitimately looking super decayed. He has no hair. He's got nothing. His arm is still all mannequin yeah, style. Yeah, he's got a mannequin and his uh, his. His face is getting real sunken in. Yeah. Very ghoulish. Super ghoulish. So next, Justice and Dr. Zako walk into the apartment and is like, hey, we're here to stop you. Um, when Max actually brings Silas to the apartment too to have Angela or uh, have Rita feed on her. I keep wanting to just call her Angela. I don't Cassidy. know why we're doing that. I, but yeah, but Rita. He brings him to feed Rita. To feed Rita. And, and Rita almost does it again and says, no, I'm not going to. And again, this is where Justice and Dr. Zeko show up. So the whole fight scene starts to begin, you know, which was something else too, folks. If you're ever fighting a vampire, hopefully you never have to fight a vampire. Aim for the heart. Or cut off the head. the heart. Why? Because Dr. Zeko decides to stab him in the stomach. And even Max even says, this is my stomach. 
Aim for my heart. Aim for my heart. And knocks Mr. and knocks Dr. Zeko out and like almost kills him. And Justice is like, no, I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna save Rita. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna end this person to a vampire somewhere else. You know, right. we, we just have to do it soon. We just gotta get her out of here now. So when they go into it, I know he's a cop, and I know he knows how like how to how to fight, kind of like arm to arm. But tell me why in almost every single uh, vampire movie, when the last fight scene starts to happen, all of a sudden everybody turns into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, everybody just suddenly knows exactly how to fight. Yeah, like super karate, knows how to do like jujitsu and like all this stuff. And I'm like, what the heck? Because he's like doing like backflips and like kicks and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? The what? crane what? kick from yeah. Karate Kid. I was like, what's going on? You know, I was like, okay, that one was a little far-fetched, but I mean, it, it, I guess, to help build up the suspense and scene of it. Maybe off-camera justice is a karate master. Yeah, probably. I don't know. And this is now where we get to see a lot more of the effects, too, because throughout the movie, you do see Max's face change to a vampire with the gold eyes and everything. That is cool, by the way. They're really cool. Super gold eyes. And then you can see, like, his, his the orbital bones around his face get thicker and, and more... And protrude more, more bat-like. Yes, but this time you see a full bat face, like from dusk till dawn. Yes. Yeah, and Rita starts to change too. She, you start seeing her eyes look all full Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, from Ghostbusters. Exactly. Oh my god, that is a great reference. Oh, that is fantastic. And so while this is happening, Max tells Rita, "Hey, finish it. Kill him. You know, kill Justice. You don't." You know, be with me. And she's like, yeah, you know, let's do this and stuff like that. And right when she's about to fight Justice, again, she turns around and says, no, I'm not going to. And kind of like does the the Disney princess's faint scene, the ah, and kind of just like faints away to the other side. And Max is like, OK, I'm going to kill him. I don't care. And right when he's about to kill Justice, Rita stabs Max through the heart with that sword that Dr. Zeko had. She did the bait and switch because yeah. she acted like she couldn't do it and she had the knife behind her and she got uh-huh. him. And she got him. And at this point, Max is like, oh, see, I knew you were a killer. I knew all this stuff. And he falls into his coffin and starts to die and, you know, kind of fade away to, to fog and to smoke. Um, when this happens, all of his illusions and spells over, like, the building that he was staying in and everything starts to fall apart. And kind of so, explode. I, yeah. And did you see when the windows break? There's a bat. A bat flew out. Yep, a bat flew out. So he could possibly still be alive. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I thought so. I thought so because, yeah, the bat flies out and he flies and it flies away. Because, again, when Rita stabbed him, I don't know, it didn't look like it hit the heart. It didn't. It looked like it was just right above the, the stomach. Like, like right on the xiphoid process. Yeah. So when that happens, Rita turns back to normal, and again, the final love scene happens between her and Justice, and they get out, and, you know, they get away. Next, uh, Julius, it goes to Julius and Silas there, and, and Julius is like, well, I guess I'm not a ghoul anymore, or I'm not under his control kind of thing, but he's still, like, super decrepit, and... He lost an arm in the fight and an eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. When Silas was trying to pull him away from the apartment, he was like, come on, we got to leave. And his arm falls off, which that was hilarious, too. He's like, you got to fix my arm. You got to fix this. Silas looks at him and tells him, you're full-on fugitive right now, (laughs) which cracked me up. 
Um, so then at the very end of the movie, um, well, this is that was all the like the big parts of the movie. The last little part that happened was Max's ring that he had falls into the limo where Julius and Silas were about to drive off, and Julius puts the ring on. Because he's like, oh, respect for my homie. You know, you got to represent the ones that have fallen and stuff. And he turns into this super handsome, sexy vampire. Super handsome, sexy vampire. And takes on the accent that Eddie Murphy had the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. He becomes like this vampire. And he's like, oh, there's a new vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Which was was great. And that's kind of how like the movie ends. And it's, I, I thought it, it tied it up pretty nicely and kind of left it open for a second one if there is going to be a second one or if yes. there was. But overall, I thought this movie was actually really cool. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. I know we were kind of looking for kind of like a, a semi-serious, semi-comedy kind of movie. And I felt like this one actually delivered really well with its puns and its like one-liners. And again... Eddie Murphy going into several different characters, it was it was great. Kind of a mainstay in his career yeah. is him playing multiple characters. Oh yeah, most definitely. I will have to give my rating as five chopped up camp counselors. Five chopped up camp counselors. Okay, I know that's two in a row. Wow. But fully give it five chopped up camp counselors. You know, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be up there with you too. I'm gonna go with four and a half. You okay. Know, four 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 chopped up counselors. Four and a half chopped up counselors. Which half? Uh, top half. Good just, half. Okay. Just, just so they can still see the movie. Okay. Good. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> but overall, there. Oh, and which is really weird about this movie is because you know, like I thought it was a really good movie, but it only got like a twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ridiculous. Yeah, and like a four point six on IMDb out of ten. But folks, seriously, if you've already listened to this podcast before and, and other episodes, go watch this movie. It was awesome and it was super amazing. We ended up watching it on. Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime, yeah. And I'm sure that there's other platforms that you can watch it on, too, but that's just the one that we saw it on. I also want to say, you typically can't trust critics. We're not really critics. We're reviewers. There's a difference. Um, Don't listen to IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and all that. Give the movies a chance, even if it says they're going to be terrible. Just see what they're about. Yeah. Because sometimes movies are really highly rated, and they're stinkers. Exactly. So try and give something a chance. Again, be cautiously, <laughs> be cautious about it. Just always be cautious. Yes. Um, I think this nicely wraps up this episode. I think so. I loved the movie and I get to pick this next week and I already have it picked out. And I'm super excited. Very excited. Awesome. And I can't wait for the next episode to come out then. Also, there's a literary adaptation of the book or the, of the movie we're doing next week. But I'll never tell. Ooh, okay. Man, that's going to get my gears turning in my head to try to figure out what's going on. But for everybody else, folks, uh, this was another episode of Spooky Husband Mystery Hour. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Uh, Don't forget to follow us on any of your favorite podcast uh, stations. Spotify. Anchor. Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Exactly. Don't forget, and if you guys have any movie recommendations or anything else that we may have missed during this movie or anything that you guys saw or just wanted us to, us to cover, again, shoot us an email. Shoot us a, a message on Facebook. We are there. Hey, come join us next time. You know, We'd love special, uh, special shout-out guests too. So let us know what some of your favorite movies that you want us to cover and everything. Thank you for listening to Spooky as a Mystery Hour. I'm Quinn. And I'm your chilling host, Ruben. Don't forget, stay, stay spooky. spooky.